Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hey guys, this is Russ, and this is the Overlook Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the disappearance of Yodis Harris III, also known as Trey. Yodis Harris III is African-American male missing from Fort Worth, Texas. He was a special education teacher around the time of his disappearance, and loved ones describe him as a loving, caring, passionate man. He was last heard from on June 16th, 2021. Now, on June 16th, 2021, Iotis called his mom around 3-something a.m. And when they were talking, he told her he was outside walking his dog. His mom found this odd. But other than that, nothing about the conversation was unusual. In a true crime chronicles clip from the Daily Blast, Iotis' mother describes a phone call stating, that when he said he was walking his dogs and it was 3 a.m., she asked him why, but he had told her it was fine and to go back to bed, and she did, expecting to hear from him in the morning. But actually, about an hour later, around 4 a.m., Iotis called his mom again, but she was sleeping and missed the call. Around 7.45, she woke up and she noticed his missed call and tried calling him back, but could not get an answer. His mom was going straight to voicemail. Though, throughout the day, he continued to be active on social media. Now, on the morning of June 16, 2021, Yoda's blue GMC pickup truck was found abandoned at a stoplight on US 83, south of Aspermont, Texas. This was about three hours away from where he lived. The truck still had the keys in it. In fact, the truck was still running. And inside the truck was also his wallet. Witnesses report seeing a male get out the truck and running southbound with two dogs. In the Daily Blast article, his mom states that one witness reports that the man they saw get out the car was not Iotis. Police contacted his family and let him know that, hey, we found this car abandoned. You guys should come and get it. His mom went down to get the truck and later noted that the police, they didn't wipe for fingerprints or DNA or anything like that. And this is particularly odd because when his mom goes back home that Saturday following his disappearance, she tried to report him missing, but was told that she couldn't because he was already in the system as missing. Now, this is odd because if the other sheriff's department put him in the system as missing, why wouldn't they search the car for evidence? Why didn't they treat that area as a potential scene with potential clues? From what we know, they didn't do any of that, even though this car was found in a very suspicious manner. Now, because the police found his car in Aspermont, Texas, his case wasn't being handled by the Fort Worth police even though that's where he lived, that's where he resided all his life. According to family, the police have not exactly been the biggest help. His mom states that she's pretty much been on her own with this investigation. Now, one of their disputed reports that kind of changes how you look at things is that when Iota's car was found, his dogs were actually there, but the dogs were dead. And this is something you'll see reported in 
most of the papers and most sites that you see reporting on this story. However, when I was doing some digging on social media, I did come across a couple comments where the person claims that no, only one dog was dead and the other dog was found alive and transported back to his family and that the dog that was found dead, they believe got hit by a car because the dogs stay near the truck. And the reason I want to bring that up is because when it comes to theories with this case, some people really go off on a tangent because both of the dogs are found dead near the truck, which makes it feel extremely eerie. However, it seems like that is a disputed fact and one dog may have been alive and the other may have got hit by a car. But even beyond the talks of the dogs being left at the car and possibly being dead, it gets a little louder. There's some other things that seem a bit off. For example, we later find out that Iota's phone pinged on June 17th, a day after they found his car. Now, this phone pinged in the Corona, Texas area. And this just adds an additional mystery to the puzzle of clues that seems to be scattered all around. Because Iota's suitcase was found. It was found lying on the side of a road in Puttaka, Texas, undamaged. In fact, in that Daily Bass interview with his mother, she talks about how the person who found the suitcase informed them that it did not seem as if the suitcase was just tossed out the window. It was standing perfectly up as if it was placed there and there was not a single scratch on it. So let's take those details and paint a picture, okay? Iotis, he lived in Fort Worth, but his car was found three hours away in Aspermont. When his mom talked to him just a few hours before he went missing, all he said was that he was walking his dogs, and it was assumed that he was walking his dogs at home. But somehow this car ended up three hours away. But even after that, a day after his car is found, the phone pinged, Again, in Quana, Texas, which is 108 miles away from where his car was found. And his car was found three hours away from home. Then, to add to that, the suitcase. The suitcase was found 45 minutes away from where his phone was last pinged in Puttaka, Texas. Again, the suitcase was found completely unscratched sound perfectly fine, almost as if someone purposely placed it there. And again, this is particularly odd, and this leaves a lot of people scratching their head. Was this Iotis? Or was this somebody else's doing? His mother goes on to state that her son's Facebook, yeah, well, after all these clues all over Texas are left, his Facebook password is changed. All the way in August, on August the 3rd, about six weeks after his disappearance. Now, a lot of detail isn't given, but it is let known to the public that they were able to find out that the computer that was used to access his account on August the 3rd to change his password was registered to an IP address in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is six hours away from Fort Worth. Again, adding to the puzzle of clues being littered all over Texas. His mom reports that as far as she knows, the police have not done anything with that information. It was never revealed whose IP address that was. 
Now, that Daily Blast interview that I was talking about where his mom actually was interviewed and spoke to reporters, that was the mom's first interview on this case. And in that interview, she explains that it was her first because none of the places in her actual city where her son was from, where he lived when he went missing, would interview her or would cover his story. Now, as I stated earlier, Yotis talked to his mom at 3 a.m. the day he disappeared, and he called back at 4 a.m. when she was asleep. When she called him back around 7.45, she was being sent straight to voicemail and she couldn't reach him. But here's the thing. He was actively posting on Facebook the day that he disappeared. In fact, he was posting a lot during this period. He posted over 40 statuses just in that day alone. The posts, they spoke about child abuse, family drama, crying. Some statuses spoke about possible molestation and family jealousy, while other posts were praising his mom for always being there for him, always being true. There was also a lot of posts that spoke on the power of Black women, stating things like, and I quote, Black women, y'all powerful. Black women, y'all power is so overwhelming. They hate y'all. Tell them bitches they need you. You don't need them. Black women first. No excuse for me. Heal your trauma. Take back your power. I knew it. I was a Black woman in a past life. Now, there are a lot of posts that allude to some type of family dispute over land. Earlier in his Facebook posts, he writes about his family being torn apart over some type of land that had oil on it. And he talks about a couple different family things. He talked about different people abusing folks due to money. There were three screenshots that he posted that showed previous conversations that he had with different individuals. One screenshot, he was talking about exposing discriminatory behavior and the FWISD. Now, he doesn't go on to explain what the FWISD is in this messages, but being that he lived in Fort Worth and was a teacher, I'm going to assume that it's possible that FWISD means Fort Worth Independent School District. Now, there's also screenshots of him negotiating some type of purchase that he was making. In the screenshot, he refers to the purchase as three bucks. Now, in these posts, again, it's a lot of posts, and they're not all exactly full of flesh-out thoughts. You can tell that the person writing this is obviously angry and passionate and feeling something very intensely. And some of the posts, they talked about how he had a podcast and how podcasting saved his life. And in one of the posts about the podcast, he mentioned that, that he had put some people's secret on that podcast. A post from June 15, 2021, the day before he went missing, states, the podcast has all y'all secrets on it. People in the city know I'm telling the truth about this family. Go fund me, stealing cars, sleeping with each other's boyfriends and cousins. And that was the end of that particular post. So I did some digging to try to find Neotis' podcast, and I found it, but none of the episodes play. When you go to it, it shows you the title. It shows you it's a little over 22 minutes long. But when you press play, either you'll get an error message or nothing happens at all. And you click, can you click, can you click? And there is nothing. 
Now, going back to his Facebook post, it does appear that at some point in time, people were noticing that he was posting a lot. He was posting a lot of sensitive topics, such as rape, molestation, of abuse of people being crooked and he was naming names. I mean, he was naming full government names and he was adding people and all of that. But it seemed like it made some people concerned because he did end up posting a few times that people were reaching out to him and asking him about his well-being. And he was saying things like, look guys, I'm fine. I'm just finally healing or something along those lines. And there was also a lot of posts about a EEOC meeting. Now, the EEOC is Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions. It's the federal agency that enforces civil rights laws against workplace discrimination. You file with the EEOC when you feel like your job is doing something discriminatory against you and you want some type of action done. And he kept posting about a particular EEOC meeting. There seems to be some alluding to possible legal issues with his job. However, I can't say that for sure. It's not exactly made clear. And honestly, besides the interview his mom did with the Daily Blast, I haven't found any interviews anywhere else covering this case. Now, the Black and Missing Foundation, they had a documentary that came out recently and they covered different cases. And so they do briefly talk about his case and they did bring a lot of awareness to that. But a lot of the information is the same information that we got from the interview with mom or you'll find on different articles. I have yet to see anybody post to the case address any of the Facebook posts or anything like that. And the reason I was bringing it up is because when you do find this case mentioned in different forums, one of the things you will find is that people are wondering if Leonis was possibly manic or suicidal because some of the posts seem erratic in nature. However, I was not able to find anything mentioned about any type of mental health concerns from any family or friends. Now, Trey's mother, she states that she does not believe he would have just left and walked away of his own free will. She states that when she last talked to him, it did not seem like that was a plan. It did not seem like he had any type of plan to get up and walk away from life. And she says that even if he did, the way that he walked away was suspicious. He walked away from a brand new 2020 truck, left his dogs, who he loved, with his wallet, in the truck that was still running on the side of the road in a very, very small rural area. One Redditor described the area as, I quote, extremely rural. That's in the middle of nowhere, stating, like, you have to have a reason to go to Aspermont. It's not like it's on its way to anything else. The same with Puttica. Both of those areas are very remote towns. Now, Let's get to the theories. As I mentioned before, there are some that wonder if Yotis was possibly suicidal. Now, this becomes up because of the nature of the post. Many believe that the post seemed a little bit erratic or possibly manic. There was a period of time where he was just firing post after post after post after post. A sentence here, post. Five seconds later, another sentence post. A paragraph here with a lot of the posts seeming to just be exactly what comes to mind and just posting it without really filtering it at all. Now, his mother states that when she talked to him, he wasn't in a bad mood. There was nothing odd. He didn't say anything concerning or 
spoke as if he didn't have plans or anything like that. So we really don't know. There's no known history, at least to the public, of any mental health concerns. Now, with the suicide theory, besides the post, people are also concerned because he talks about a lot of painful things in those Facebook posts, and people wonder if it was just all too much for him. Now, along with that goes the theory that some people wonder if he had a mental health break and maybe just walked away from his life in the middle of having this mental health break. However, again, I like to stay away from armchair diagnosing. And we have to remember with articles, even with podcasts, you're only given fragments of information. A lot of times it's missing and lacking in certain areas. And so it can be really dangerous to kind of just go off one assumption and assume that, okay, based on these small facts that we know, that this is definitely a mental health issue. It can be something we kind of think about in the back of our minds, but we don't have any solid evidence that kind of directly points to this. Next, people wonder if there was foul play. Now, when it comes to foul play, you have some of those who believe that what he posted on his Facebook was true, that there was some very major issues and that possible family members may be involved. On the other side of that, you have people who wonder about the whole EOC meeting and if something deeper and bigger was going down with his job. Now, with these theories, one thing that people like to point out is that witnesses did not seem to think that he was the one walking away from the car. And people wonder if the car was kind of just dropped off there to get rid of it, but he wasn't the one driving, nor was he the one that had his phone or his suitcase. That someone thought if they left these things in different areas, that police would never find them or connect them to one another. Unfortunately, we don't know if the things posted on the Facebook are true or not. Because here's the thing, playing devil's advocate on the whole foul play due to work or family. If we're saying that that's the case, well, let's think about the fact that his Facebook password was changed six weeks after he went missing. And if it was changed by someone who wanted to get rid of him because of what he was saying, why wouldn't they delete the Facebook posts? The Facebook posts are the reason the crime scenes are wondering about foul play, are wondering about foul play involving family or foul play involving his work, because he for sure names names. If we're saying that foul play was involved because of that, and the person still had his phone, wouldn't you want to kind of erase some of the very damning evidence that was posted publicly on the Facebook? Because here's the thing, when I went into forums, I hadn't looked for his social media. People in the forums had already looked in his social media. It was the first thing you'll find posted in different forums regarding this case. Someone will say, yo, go to his Facebook, look at his Facebook. Now, one can argue that, hey, that's way too obvious. If you have his password and you go and you delete messages that have your name, that's going to get people a place to look. But here's the thing. No one deleted it and it's up. And people are giving it a second look inside ID as well. So it's kind of a catch-22. Now, one of the other theories that you'll hear is that people have simply wondered if Eotis was in the wrong side of town, being the wrong race, but also possibly the wrong sexuality or gender. 
Now, I really debated if I wanted to bring this up because it's something that I don't see actually mentioned in official articles. But when you go to forums, it's something you'll see mentioned a lot. And I don't want to invade on EOD's privacy. However, because I did come across this podcast and I did see something particularly noted, I feel like this is something he was okay with revealing. And so I feel like I'm not crossing the boundary. But one of the things that comes up with this particular theory and just in forums in general, I have people asking about Iotis's gender or his sexuality. And from what I saw, the reason this is usually brought up is for one or two reasons. One, when given the description of Iotis, it's always mentioned that he had a tattoo that says mature and petite. And people kind of thought that was kind of odd for a man to have that particular tattoo. But another reason I think this is brought up is because when I was personally looking for this case, I noticed that EOD's case was mentioned on a lot of LGBTQ websites. Going back to his podcast, when I was looking at his podcast, I noted under his description, he wrote, listen to me navigate through life's up and downs as I talk about current events, entertainment, lifestyle, dating, LGBTQ plus and straight topics. Now, the reason that people have wondered if Yotis was possibly a trans man is because there are a couple trans websites that have his case listed. However, no one has actually referred to him in the news, any articles, or even in the interview with his mom as a trans man. Now, the reason I bring this up is because some people have wondered that if he was simply in the wrong side of town, being a Black male, a member of the LGBTQ community, or all the above. There have been some people that I see make comments that kind of say, you know, uh, this is a very rural area. And you know the tone that gets off when they say it is a quote-unquote rural area. And I think we all get what they're applying there. And some have wondered if, no, maybe that was him that got out the car just for a minute maybe the dogs maybe he was let him out for a pee break and met with some unsavory folks folks that did not like that he was black or did not like that he was an lgbtq plus member now like with the other theories there's really not a lot of evidence that suggests this is a thing that happened this is simply people saying hey this is what i know about the area this is what we possibly know about him now, the last day that you come across is that some people believe that Iotis did walk away from his life. People look at the fact that he took his dogs walking at 3 a.m. His car was found hours away, still running. His phone pinged in another city after he disappeared. Six weeks later, his password or his Facebook page was changed. Some people wonder if he was just incredibly stressed in life and decided to walk away and start anew. And that's why he didn't bring his wallet. And that's why he didn't bring his new car. That's why he didn't bring his dogs. Unfortunately, we still don't know the answer to this. And that's all the information we have on this case. Currently, there's still a mother fighting to have her son brought back home and fighting for answers. I ask that if you have any information regarding the disappearance of the eldest Harris III, that you contact the Stonewall County Sheriff's Office at 940 989-3333. That's all the information I have for this case. And as always, I have a new episode for you guys on Sunday. I ask that if you can, 
leave a kind word over in the review section over at Apple Podcasts. And other than that, you guys, I hope that you stay safe, stay vigilant. You're here to send them away again next Sunday. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.